This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. starts with a rush down the right wing. A shot off the pads of Bachman. The rebound, Lucic. Fed Nugent Hopkins. Backdoor! And a hat trick for Jordan Everly. The second of his NHL career. And Edmonton's pouring it on here at Rogers. It's 4-1. to That was April 9th. Jordan Eberle recording a hat-trick against the Vancouver Canucks as the Oilers close out the regular season. Of course, they went to the playoffs after that. Everly did not score for the Oilers, which may have been one of the reasons why he was traded today to the New York Islanders. This is Inside Sports. Brendan Ulrich with you. Uh, Reed Wilkins is at the draft in Chicago. He will join us very shortly on the program for the first hour as we break down the big news today. Jordan Everly being traded to the Islanders for Ryan Strom. It's a straight-up one-for-one swap. No picks involved. Everly for Strom. Strom carrying a $2.5 million cap hit uh, compared to Everly's $6 million. So that's the big news of the day on the program. We will hear from Ryan Strom about coming to Edmonton. Jordan Eberle about being traded from Edmonton. Of course, he spent seven seasons here. We will hear from the big boss himself, Peter Shirelli, uh, as he gets set for the NHL draft tomorrow. He held a media avail in Chicago today, and he talked about the trade and some other things as uh, we get closer to July 1st and also the draft tomorrow night. So lots to get to tonight. We will uh, take some phone calls at 7 o'clock. We will hear from Morley Scott as well at 7.30 as uh, he sets us up for the Eskimos season opener. That goes Saturday in BC against the Lions. The CFL season officially getting underway tonight. We have uh, Montreal taking on Saskatchewan, so we'll update you on that game throughout the evening as well. But the big news, as we talked about off the top, Jordan Everly getting traded. Uh, here's what he had to say earlier today with Bob Stoffer about getting traded from the only team he's ever played for in the NHL, the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah, it's, it's been a bit of a whirlwind today for sure. Um, obviously, first off, excited. Um, you know, like you said, uh, the Islanders, I know quite a few guys there. they got a great group. and Excited to get there and get things going and get the new season going. Um, I mean, as far as Edmonton, um, you know, nothing but good stuff. They, uh, you know, brought me in as a young guy and, and gave me every opportunity to succeed. So, um, you know, as far as the city, the ownership, the Cades family, all the GMs have had, coaches, uh, the fans, obviously, they, they've been uh, the best. They've, that's, I mean, to me, it was my second home. So um, everyone in that city is, 
I'm grateful for everything they've done for me. That's Jordan Eberle in conversation with Bob Stoffer earlier today on Oilers Now. You can get that whole uh, interview up on the Oilers Now uh, podcast page at 630ched.com. This young man has been chomping at the bit to break this down. It's uh, Reed Wilkins in Chicago. We bring him aboard for uh, the entire hour here on uh, Inside Sports tonight. Reed, how are you doing? Well, I haven't called a young man in a while, so first of all, thank you, though I question the accuracy of that. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the show. Quite an interesting day. It finally happened. Jordan Eberle traded, and uh, it's always it's always fun for people in our position, uh, Brendan, to, to see the uh, the fan reaction because uh, there's some people who are like, meh. There's some people who are like, finally. And there's some people who are like, what are they doing? How could they possibly trade Jordan Eberle? He got 20 goals and 51 points. So uh, just to everybody, don't take it personally. Like I always say, Peter Shirelli didn't wake up to try to uh, this morning to try to annoy many Oilers fans as possible. I know you're probably going to get to some of the clips here as we go along, but just to just to get the ball rolling here, Brendan. I, I mean, Peter Shirelli didn't make any secret of it today. The the big thing, maybe the number one thing overall in this, is cap management, and, and it gives the Oilers an extra three and a half million dollars available to spend for the upcoming season. And then we'll see for the season after that because Strom's a restricted free agent. We don't know what, you know, what he might get uh, around this time next year. We know Leon Dreisaitl is going to get a lot of money probably in the next week or two, and they'll also commit to Connor McDavid for a long-term contract. And there are reports out there that he's asking for $14 million a season. Now, that's a lot of money. That's the ask. Doesn't mean he's going to get it, but, but the Oilers need a little cap space. And I, and I, will, I will say this, Brendan, I, I, I understand looking at the stat because I see them too, and I think, man, where's the Ryan Strom that got 50 points a couple of years ago? Because he, he barely got that combined over the last couple of years. He, he, you know, he did have some injury issues, but it's not like he missed half the season. He missed 13 games last year. So I, I, I understand that, and that's, and that's concerning, and that's concerning to me too. And like any trade, there is some risk involved. But I will say this. I don't think the Edmonton Oilers got worse today. I really don't. I don't think this is a trade that sees them, you know, getting half the player that Everly was. I think they got a different player. Uh, I think they got a player who is maybe still more potential than actual. And I'm borrowing that straight from Jeff Merrick, who I with Sportsnet, who I interviewed last year when the Larson Hall trade went down, and and he said the tough thing for for a lot of people to swallow was it was. You're trading actual for potential. You're you're trading a trailer Taylor Hall who could actually produce points and finish in the top ten in scoring for you know a, a youngish defenseman in Adam Larson who still hadn't become what he was going to become. Now I think we saw who Larson was this past season, but that's the thing here: is Strom going to be a guy who steps up and can get 40, 45, 50, 54 points, or 45 points, or or is he going to be a guy who's maybe? You know, wallowing a little bit in the in the in the twenties and thirties. Whereas with Everly, I, I think we kind of know what Jordan Everly is. You know his strengths. You also know his weaknesses. I, I think it had reached the point in Edmonton where uh, a lot of people, sometimes me included, focused more on his weaknesses than his strengths. But I don't know if Jordan Everly's game and the dimensions he brings to a team it, it, are going to change very much over the next seven to twelve years that he plays in the NHL. I think for Ryan Strom, he's hopefully still rounding into that player. 
Well, yeah, there's lots of ways to look at this, Reed. I wanted to hit on the cap space quickly. You mentioned that $14 million number, and uh, it, it's interesting because at the Combine, Peter Shirelli was saying, hey, we don't necessarily need to trade Jordan Eberle this offseason. We can wait. Now he has a different tone. He's saying, okay, we need the cap space. Like, uh, I sort of wonder how close we're looking at to that $14 million figure actually being the, the true amount that McDavid makes at this point. Like, Darren Drager is out there saying that, and I wonder how close it is. Now, we're not saying it's going to necessarily be 14. Could it be 12? Could it be 13? But I start to wonder... He's really talking about this this cap space here, and we'll get to a clip right away, uh, Shirley talking about that. But I, I sort of wonder how close we are in, in terms of those negotiations getting towards a number like that. Could you see it being close to 14 for McDavid? Well, I could. I, I mean, he's already uh, one of the best players in the league at the age of 20. I mean, we saw all the awards that he won last night, the Hart, the Ted Lindsay, first-team All-Star. We already knew he was the leading scorer in the league, so he formally got the Art Ross last night. Uh, I mean, he's one of the top players in the league. It's, it's, the Oilers are a better team, and they're more well-rounded than they have been in a long time. But they also, Big David also, you know, com- completely is the, the marquee player on the team and is responsible. I mean, I know it's a team sport, and you got to have 20 guys, but he, he gets a lot of the credit, I think, for for what the team was able to become over the last year. So, uh, I mean, look, McDavid wants to win. Everybody wants to win. But having said that, I mean, this is the business side of it that comes in, and it's a, it's a sport where you get paid for your performance. And he's already proved after two years how well he can perform. So his agent's not going to tell him, well, sit back and give the orders a discount because they were kind enough to draft you first overall. I mean, it doesn't work, work that way. Do I think it's necessarily going to be 14? That's a that's a pretty big that's a obviously a massive number. Um, I mean, maybe the, the, there may be individual years that he gets fourteen million dollars because you know they can pay a guy a different amount every year. But yeah, I mean, clearly it, it's going to be over ten. I, I don't I don't think there's any reason for McDavid to to take a discount. So I mean, and, and this is going to be the challenge for the Oilers. They've and I don't want to get too ahead of myself because they've had one year in the playoffs, one year where they finished eighth overall. They did not win the Stanley Cup, but this is how the teams with superstars have to do things. I mean, we've seen Chicago overhaul the bottom half of their roster almost annually because they're paying Kane and Taves and Keith and Seabrook and and Hosa and you know Crawford's been the goalie for two out of three cups, and those are kind of the guys they've built around. So with the Oilers. I mean, look who's going to be here long-term. Dreisaitl and McDavid, and you can throw in Lucic and Sekera to that for, you know, four more years for Sekera and six more for, for Lucic at five and a half for Sekera and six million for Lucic. And Nugent Hopkins has four years left at six million. So he's, Chirelli already kind of has in place who is getting the, the big money, and he decided that he can't give Everly that big money. So the key to the Oilers here, they should be a good team as, as long as they have McDavid and Dreisaitl and, and Talbot keeps playing solid in net and, you know, the defense keeps rounding into form. They, they should be at the very least a good team and perennial, perennially, you know, hopefully in the playoffs or challenging for the playoffs. For them to win the Stanley Cup, they're going to have to find effective players at a decent price point. So the guys like the Drake Kajulas of the world, who's 
you know, still going to be on his entry-level contract and probably is not going to break the bank when he gets a bigger deal. There, I mean, to look at Pittsburgh, how, how big was a, how big were younger guys like, you know, Gensel and, and, uh, and Sheary, for example, over the last couple of years, right? Not, not star guys. That's going to be the key for the Oilers to actually become a championship team. I, I, don't have, I, I don't really have any doubt that they're going to be a good team for a long time to come, but to be a, to be a championship team, they're going to have to get big performances from younger guys or, or middle-aged guys in terms of hockey who, who aren't making a ton of money. Texter says 14 ridiculous. Crosby, Tace, Kane didn't make 14, 11 tops. Well, here's the thing. McDavid's setting the standard now moving forward. Like, it's going to be McDavid at the top. Everyone else is, like, when Matthew signs his big deal, it'll be below, obviously, McDavid, but it'll be close. Like, he'll probably make more than Crosby, Tays, and Kane, too. So if you're a player in McDavid's uh, shoes right now, this is a chance to set the standard. And, uh, you know, Peter Shirelli talked about uh, that cap space in order to sign McDavid and Leon at his uh, news avail earlier today. Well, it's, it's the whole picture. Like it's the whole picture. Like I, I want to be in a position that we we can one pay these players, which we are, and two um, uh, fend off any uh, suggested uh, predatory offer sheets, which we're comfortably in that position now. So um, we're in a, with Chris. With, with, if we if and when we sign Chris, we'll continue to be in that very comfortable position. Are you thinking an offer sheet could come then? No, I don't. But but yeah. but I mean, there's there's always the chatter, and and I want to be firm and clear that we have significant amount of space and we'll match anything. So that's Peter Shirelli earlier today and uh, Chris Russell as well in the mix here. Uh, clearly he wants to get something done with uh, Russell Reed, and we're sort of going down a different path here. We'll talk more about the Everly for Strom swap here in the second segment after the commercial break, but Russell, another, another player that the Oilers want to get done here and likely before July 1st. I think well, Peter Shirelli said today he, he would like to bring Russell back. I, I think a lot of Oilers players would like to see Russell back. I, I do think his contributions were, were valued in the dressing room. He, he's a pro. You know what you're going to get out of him every night. He's not a star, but he's a pretty solid pro. You know, it'd be great if you could get him for three years and $3.5 million, but he's got some power here. And, I mean, we're hearing some stuff that it might be four by four or even four years and a little over four a year, which, you know, in my mind is it's a little much, but, I mean, that's what happens with, with free agents. They tend to get a little bit more than you would ideally prefer to pay them. It's 620 in Edmonton. Uh, Reed is in Chicago for the NHL draft. He'll be on uh, the phone lines with us until 7 o'clock. We'll take a quick time out. More reaction to the big trade today, Everly for Strom. Uh, we'll hear from Strom when we get back as well. This is Inside Sports on 630 Chet. This is Adarius Bowman from your Edmonton Eskimos. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Darius Bowman bringing us back here on Inside Sports. The Eskimos in action on Saturday to open the season against the BC Lions. CFL season officially kicking off tonight as we have Montreal and uh, Saskatchewan battling it out. Uh, 0-0, I believe, still in that game here uh, with 10 minutes left in uh, the second quarter. The big news of the day, Jordan Eberle traded to the Islanders for Ryan Strom. Reed Wilkins is in Chicago, and uh, he's uh, with us until 7 here on Inside Sports. Uh, Reed, off the top of the show, I played a clip uh, from Eberly thanking the fans, saying the fans are the best. And uh, you were saying earlier how, you know, the fans are split on Eberly. 
And uh, there certainly are fans that view him uh, differently. Uh, some people, you know, love that he could score a bunch of goals. They love his, uh, you know, silky smooth hands. There are others that say he's not gritty enough, doesn't, you know, go to the, the hard areas on the ice. And uh, they say that's why he, the Oilers, or he didn't score in the playoffs. So when you remember Everly as a player here in Edmonton, uh, what will you always think of? Oh, that's a good question. I, I, I well, I always remember the very first goal because it was just it was such an incredible goal against Calgary first game, and I guess from a broad pack, broadcaster's perspective, it was uh, Jack Michaels doing his first regular season game on Chet and the Oilers radio network. I mean, I, I mean, here's the thing, and I've been critical of, of Eberle, but I'm going to remember ultimately a, a pretty talented player, and I mean, he's 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 taken these really good hands. To Long Island with with a guy you know with, with Tavares who's hopefully going to be able to set him up, and but but I think the the downside for Eberle that I'll remember is you, you know Todd McClellan has said since he's become the head coach of of the Oilers he goes a lot of games are decided on five or six shifts you just don't know which ones they're going to be so you better treat each shift of yours like it's really really important and, and I and I think Eberle is is the type of player where there are nights you just didn't notice him and he didn't affect the game. Now, scoring's the most important thing you can do in hockey. So, I mean, when he can get his goals, it obviously has a massive impact on the game. But there were a lot of nights where where you didn't notice him quite enough and his he might get shots on goal, but they they didn't have a good chance of going in, and I think that's why his shooting percentage dropped this year. I, I I didn't think it was just one of those random things where sometimes your shooting percentage goes down. I I thought he earned that lowered shooting percentage because his shots weren't dangerous enough and they weren't from high scoring areas. So you know, and I think that's why you know he's the one to go rather rather than Nugent Hopkins of the two guys, not counting Lucic, obviously who has a new no move of the guys who are making a. Uh, six million dollars. So I, so I think that's kind of how I'll remember Everly. I, I mean, he's a, he's a very good player who will still be a very good player. Uh, is but is he someone at the end of every night? Even if the stat sheet doesn't say something, do you look at him and say he did something important? And the Oilers, as they've improved, have been able to find guys like that. Patrick Maroon scored a ton of goals this year. You know, but you also noticed him with hitting and and standing up for for guys and fighting. Cassian, you noticed his energy. You noticed his penalty killing. Uh, Mark Letestu had a great year offensively, but you noticed him with his penalty killing and his leadership and his and his smart play. So I think that was the drawback for Eberle. You noticed him when he scored. Obviously, you noticed the goals, but there were too many nights where you said, "Man, where where was he tonight? We needed him to do something." So I, I think that's that's how I'll remember him. Uh, I I think he has a couple very good dimensions to his game. I just don't think he's a multi-dimensional player. That's who he is. It doesn't mean he doesn't belong in the NHL, but that's that's just who he is as a player. Multi-dimension. It sounds like that's how the Oilers are getting back in Ryan Strome. Will he play center? Will he play the wing for the Oilers? We'll talk more about that with Reed Wilkins when we come back on Inside Sports. But first, Thomas Dias has your 6.30 news update. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. 
6.33 in Edmonton Inside Sports. Brendan Ulrich with you. Reed Wilkins uh, on the line as well. He's in uh, Chicago for the draft. Uh, we'll get to uh, Reed's Chicago experience thus far here in a second. Uh, quick update on the scoreboard. Montreal and Saskatchewan opening up the CFL season right now. 0-0. Or no, we have a touchdown. I must have missed what happened there. Looks like, looks like Montreal is on the board. I don't know if you're watching this, Reed, but uh, they did I, get a touchdown. I tried to get on the uh, TSN website to watch it, but they don't let you uh, get to get on in the States. Uh, Cunningham got a touchdown pass from Durant. You know, the Riders are an interesting team. I, I know we'll talk a little more football later in the half hour, but just quickly, the Riders interest me. They got a couple of really good receivers. Uh, they got a new running back who could be good. Um, but just quarterback, right, and and play calling. I mean, it's the same coaching staff was at McAdoo that wasn't overly creative when he was with the Eskimos. No, they still won, I mean, because they, they executed well. That's going to be an interesting team to watch because I think the Riders will be competitive, but I, I don't know if their uh, offense is going to hang in there very well. And Durant must be fired up for this game, eh? Like, <laughs> Well, I just threw a bomb there to Cunningham, so, yeah, that's pretty good for him. But, uh, yeah, more on that in a, in a, a little bit later on. I mean... It is nice to have a football game on, though, when you're doing this show, Reed. I, I could get used to that, so I, I'm sure you love uh, having action here in the evening when uh, you're hosting the show. It makes for a little excitement. Yeah, a little bit more fun to have a live game. And it's great to, it's great to see a fellas back, and I'm optimistic about the Eskimos this season for sure. But we'll, we'll, we'll do a little bit of that later on. Quickly, I wanted to ask you, there was a picture making the rounds on Twitter last night, and uh, you posted it, or maybe it was on Instagram, but I saw Instagram, it. Instagram, yes. Yes, you had a big uh, Chicago deep dish pizza, and wow, I was shocked. I did, I, I've always heard the term deep dish. I never knew it was that deep because there was a lot of dough on that pizza. Yeah, like it's literally a pizza pie. Like it's, It might even be deeper than most pies that you would get for dessert, so... There, it's it's all. I mean, and this is. I mean, I've never been to Chicago before, but everybody says it's it's great, and the food culture is is great. And when I checked into the hotel yesterday, they hand you a list restaurants within walking distance, and there's about 50 restaurants on the list, and it tells you whether you need reservations and the price range. And of course, the deep dish pizza is big here. So I, I asked. Uh, I, but here's the thing: when you there, there are touristy things, but they aren't always the best things to do, right? So I, when I was out yesterday, I had to run to, a, to Walgreens to grab a couple of things. So I just talked to a couple of people on the street. I was like, do you live in Chicago? I said, where, where do you go for deep dish pizza? And they, they gave me three names, including Giordano's, which is, a, which is a chain. Like, there's more than one in Chicago, and it is pretty well known. But they said, like, it might seem touristy, but it is really good. So I went to Giordano's. There's one about, I don't know, it's about six blocks north of where I'm staying. And I got there like 10.30 at night, and it's still quite busy, not packed, but still quite busy. And uh, I so they have an individual pizza that's just a six-inch pizza, because I wasn't that hungry, but I needed to eat something. So I ordered, they pick your own, you can pick your own topping. So pepperoni mushroom is just my classic favorite. And then they say it's going to take... 30 to 45 minutes because of the way they bake it prepared, right? <laughs> wow. Like, okay. So then they bring out, and what is my Instagram account if people want to look at it? Am I just Reed Wilkins? I don't even know. I think so. But uh, Keep talking. I'll find out. It's so, so finally they bring you up the, the pizza, and yeah, like it's, it's probably an inch and a half high, so it's just a little round thing, but there's so much to it, and all the toppings are not toppings. They're, they're baked inside. So you kind of 
slice it open and, and, and unveil everything that's inside along with the cheese. So it was, it was pretty fun to eat. I mean, somebody asked me, is that the best pizza you've ever had? I almost don't know what to compare it to because it didn't... It, it wasn't, to me, totally comparable to the pizza you'd get, you know, you know wherever, or whether it's, you know, Famoso or just a more traditional type of pizza. So it was pretty cool. I'm glad I got the deep dish. I'll see if I have time to, to, to sample another one. But I got to do a little Chicago thing, so there we go. <laughs> yes, your Instagram is just Reed Wilkins, and Chicago is, uh, you know, the home of the draft this year, and that's where that will go on tomorrow night, round one, rounds two to seven uh, over the weekend on Saturday. Um, so, in Chicago was uh, one Peter Shirelli today, and uh, Ryan Strom as well, speaking to the media. He's there because his younger brother has a chance to get drafted uh, in the entry draft as well. But before uh, we talk about that, that let's just get to uh, Peter Shirelli here he breaks down uh, the whole genesis of the deal uh, on why it's Everly for Strom and some of the tangibles that Strom brings to the table coming to Edmonton well it was it was a function of a number of different things um, uh, one the chance to acquire uh, a player like um, like Ryan Strom uh, two uh, no secret we've we've got to clear up some space uh, to sign a, uh, both Connor and Leon um, and th- three, it was just it was a deal that you know there, there are times that these deals come come about and you have to act on them and and we just felt it would improve our team. Now you've got a player like Ryan who hasn't put the numbers up like Jordan, but um, he's got some things to his game that we feel could help us in our division. He's he's got good size. He's got a terrific wrist shot. I scouted him for uh, a long time for the U24 team, um, and uh, a very very cerebral player. Uh, he can play center or the wing. Um, uh, very good on the half wall. Um, and these are all—I mean, these these are all some of the things that that uh, Jordan has. But you know, we have to when we can save some cap space uh, going forward. We're going to have to do it. That's the reality of building a team these days. So it was a good fit from a hockey perspective. It was a good fit from a team building and cap perspective. Okay, some good stuff there on Strom Reed. And the one thing with Everly was we know he's skilled. He has a pretty good wrist shot, but he never had that one time where it seemed like he was hesitant to shoot a lot of the time. If I'm Strom, I'm coming to Edmonton saying, hey, I'll play wing, I'll play wherever you want. And if I'm playing with David or Drysaddle, I'm going to have that one time already and shoot the puck all the time. So it seems like uh, Shirelli was sort of hinting at that there with Strom, and you would likely expect him to work on his shot a lot this offseason, come to Edmonton, and just be willing to fire the puck at all times. Yeah, well, I mean, Shirelli said he can rip the shot. Shirelli said he sees him as a natural center, but but he can play wing, which might give him more of an opportunity to play the shot away. As I kind of alluded to earlier, he's going to be interesting to watch. I mean, there's going to be a lot of scrutiny on him because of the trade. But, I, you know, I, I don't think his numbers the last two years ref, reflect the type of player he is. Um, getting just 30 points last year and 28 the year before. Like I said, he did have 50 and 14, 15 if that's more who he is, then I then I think that the Oilers can be okay with that, because there there's also versatility with his with his game in terms of being able to play center of the wing, and the and the shot is vitally important. I mean, we saw it throughout the past this the past couple of seasons, right? I mean, Everly still got 20 goals, yet there was still the feeling with a lot of fans and me that he could get more if he just ripped the puck sometimes or got himself in a better position to shoot and just fired it in, instead of dusting it off. And, and again, to a, we, we've talked about this millions of times 
between you and me, Brandon, and with Rob Brown and with people on the air, Mark Letestu, the fourth-line center, took Jordan Everly's spot on the first power play because he shot the puck and he was willing to get it through on net and he one-timed the puck and he scored several goals that way with a one-timer. So I hope Ryan Strom brings that attitude. Uh, you know, I watched some highlights of his goals this morning where it looked like he had a pretty strong low wrist shot as, as well. So, you know, that could be an interesting dimension as well. So if, he, if he's able to, you know, Dreisaitl likes to shoot low on a lot of goalies too. So, yeah, I mean, I, ho- I hope he brings that shooting mentality to town because he's, he's going to play. I mean, look, just he's going he's gonna to be on a line with either Dreisaitl, McDavid, or Nugent Hopkins. Or maybe two of them, even right. You don't you don't know how it's going to work out. So he's going to be with somebody that theoretically should be able to get him the puck. So you know, he he better be willing to he better be willing to fire it. And and Shirelli, you know, indicates obviously that he has he has a pretty good wrist shot to begin with. So that and that leads me to wonder. And I know it's June twenty second or whatever it is, so there could still be changes. But it makes me. Wonder about the line combinations. Um, I mean, here's just what I scribbled down, okay? And this is assuming no other trades or changes. McDavid between Maroon, and I put Pugliarvi there. Leon between Lucic and Strom. I put Strom on the wing, even though Shirelli called him a natural center. Nugent Hopkins between Kajula and Slepeshev. Then you got a fourth line of Letestu, Kara, and Cassian with Pouliot as the extra winger. And I know people are like, Pouliot? Well, he... He might still be here, right, Brendan? Like he very well might still be here, and uh, and playing a, playing a depth role on the team. Now maybe Kajula stays on the top line, right wing. Maybe Strom get. I mean, that, that's the interesting thing. Does Ryan Strom get the opportunity that Jordan Eberle had the start of at the start of next season? Not on the power play. I think they'll leave the first power play the same, and Latesta will be there. But does Strom get that opportunity five on five? Does he go up to McDavid's right wing to start the season? Because then maybe he can help with the draws, right? Yeah, that's interesting, Reed. And you know what's funny? You look at you know Crosby and Pittsburgh. All these uh, random wingers seem to find success with them, but uh, the, you know they tried to bring Kessel there. That didn't work. So you look at uh, you know McDavid. The one guy that worked with him was Drysettle. He thinks the game on a level like well close to McDavid, anyways. But uh, for some reason, Everly didn't work. So what if Strom all of a sudden comes in here and just works with McDavid? We don't know. It's a possibility. And he's played a little bit with John Tavares in the past. And I agree with you. I do think he'll he'll end up being a winger here. I can't see him playing center with all the the centers they have, unless they want to move Nugent Hopkins to the wing all of a sudden. That's well, another okay, option, here, I guess. Here's the story to cut you off. Here, here's, here's the thing, though. I can see him playing center because we know McClellan will move people around. And it was it was pretty luxurious for the Oilers last season. Let's face it, Brendan, the Oilers' best players were healthy pretty much the entire season, right? McDavid, Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins, Eberle, Lucic, you know, up front. Um, Clefbaum, did he play every game? Larson only missed a couple. Uh, Sekera got hurt at the end in the playoffs, but I think he played 81 in the regular season. So here, you have to think law of averages. They, they won't have their eight, eight or nine best players healthy for most of the season this year. So Strom very well may have to play center at some point and if the team is you know when the team is struggling and needs a spark you know you know leon's going to go up to connor's right wing like you know at some point that's going to be a combination which means strom will have to be a center 
on a second or third line. So I, I think he will play both. I think they're relying on his versatility. Well, yeah, that's that's fair. I mean, we don't really know what Todd McMullen's going to do, so we'll have to wait and see. But I just look at, you know, with the Islanders, and it sounds like he played wing most of the time, or at least uh, recently, and he did play a little bit with John Tavares. Um, here's what Ryan Strom had to say about his position. Um, it's tough to say because with my old team, I did everything. So it's uh, it was back and forth day by day, uh, shift by shift, really. So, I mean, I think I'm comfortable doing both, but, I mean, uh, um, by now, there should be no excuse. I should be able to play both. And uh, Peter Shirelli was asked uh, by you, Reed Wilkins, about his uh, position. You know, it's 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 it, a lot of these teams that have success in the playoffs, and it was the same way when when we were with uh, when I was with Boston. Like, if you can put two centers on a line, um, it, it, it's, it's to your advantage. Um, I, I would I, th- I think he's a natural center, but he can he can certainly rip a wrist shot. So he's 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 quite good on the wing, also. So, yeah, it's hard to say right now. I think Shrelly says, okay, you can play both places, and Strom saying the same thing, so it's a wait and see. Um, it all depends on where Drysettle is as well. I, I don't think we have any idea uh, what McMullen's going to do. He changed that up quite a bit last season as well, but now another you know tool in the bag with Strom that he can implement uh, in his lineup. And, and, I should, and I should say this because we we got to look at this fairly. Brian Strom is not good in face-offs. Right under forty-five percent for his career, so there, this, face-offs just could potentially still be a problem for the Oilers. I do expect Leon to continue to improve and probably be the Oilers' best face-off guy. You know, Latestu is traditionally fifty-one, fifty-two percent, and and clearly McDavid and Nugent Hopkins uh, did quite poorly, and and that's a knock against Nugent Hopkins that he hasn't really improved, and and Strom hasn't really taken a step forward in that regard. So having said that, if he is, you know, Shirelli said, I like to have two centers on a line. The Oilers still don't really have a combination where they can put two centers out and one of them is really good at face-offs, right, unless the test goes out to, to take with somebody. So that, that's, that's a kind of a knock against Strom that we're going to have to keep an eye on. It's uh, 6.47 in Edmonton. We will take a quick time out here. More text messages. We're going to get to some of those. Lots of people chiming in tonight. We will up the phone lines as well in the second hour of Inside Sports. And, Reed, I know you like this. We'll hit on this a little bit when we come back. Uh, Elliot Freeman put out on Twitter right before the show, I don't know if you saw this, but the NHL is looking at a penalty for an incorrect coach's challenge. So, Yeah, this is yeah. great. I, I can't talk about that enough, Brendan. <laughs> Thanks for making my night. Yeah, perfect. Uh, we'll hit on that when we come back uh, and more of your text messages as well. 6.30, If you want to chime in on the Everly for Strom swap from earlier today, this is Inside Sports. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. Yeah, uh, super excited, honestly. Uh, I was at a loss for words, I know. Other than the emotional aspect of missing some teammates and stuff like that, I couldn't be excited for the, uh, the new opportunity and um, obviously a lot of great things going on in Edmonton. So um, just from watching them in the playoffs this year, I'm uh, really ecstatic about joining the group. And um, I already had a lot of guys reach out to me from the team, so I think that says a lot about them. And uh, really looking forward to it, honestly. I'm just super excited. Where can your game go? I mean, you had a pretty good offensive season, and I imagine you probably would have wished to have had a few more points over the last two. Where, where can it go from here? Yeah, I think just uh, the last little while of the season before I got hurt, I felt really good once we had a new coach in there, Doug Wade, and someone you guys are familiar with, obviously, in Edmonton, and he was great for me. I think uh, 
a little disappointing I got hurt, but I started to feel really good, and that's the best I felt in a couple of years, and uh, turned it in the right direction. So I think just have that confidence, that swagger offensively, and just uh, you know play my game, play my role, and um, looks like I'm going to get an opportunity to do that, and I'm really looking forward to it, like I said. That's Ryan Strom, the newest Oiler. This is Inside Sports. Brennan Ulrich with you. Reed Wilkins uh, in Chicago for the draft. And Reed, you actually had the chance to ask Strom the first ever two questions in Oilers media history in terms of uh, Strom here. So uh, your impressions on him, he seemed pretty excited to be coming here. Well, that's what stood out. He was like he, he was gen- genuinely, I, I mean, you know, hockey players are trained to say the right thing, I guess. But sometimes you get a sense of that genuine emotion coming through, and he seemed really thrilled. Um, there's a connection with McDavid, right, because of his brother. So that's that's kind of cool there. So there's already a little bit of familiarity. So yeah, he seemed genuinely excited, like that this was this was a good move for him. And you know, I think last season with the Islanders was tough, and you get hearing your name in the trade rumors, and Everly referenced it in his interview as well. Sometimes you reach a point where you just want to know one way or the other. Like, either be traded or have the GM call you and say, look, you're not going to be traded, you're going to be on my team this, this fall. So I, probably for Strom, I think there's a, there's a bit of that, too, that now he just has the relief of knowing it's over, he knows who he's going to play for, and he can focus on that. Uh, let's fit in some text messages here before we let you go. Uh, Chris and Victoria says, Guys, first of all, I wish Everly luck, but to say he might be rejuvenated with Tavares, he had all the opportunity in the world with a player twice as good. Next up, Nuge, not a chance on earth. Chia is paying $6 million for him. Uh, for a third-line center, gone within the week. Book it, Chris and Victoria. Well, I don't agree with him on uh, Nugent Hopkins there. I think he will be here to start the season. But in terms of, uh, you know, I really had a chance with McDavid. Uh, do you think he can succeed with uh, Tavares? Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, look, I don't know if he's... It, here's, here's the crazy thing about Jordan Everly. Maybe his peak season... And most it doesn't work out this way for most guys, but maybe it's going to be year two in the NHL when he had 76 points in 78 games. Maybe that's going to be his peak. I mean, he's had 65 and 63 since then. I think probably a more realistic goal for Everly is to get back to uh, around 60. I don't know if he's, if he's going to get to 76. Do I think Jordan Everly is going to all of a sudden score 35 or 40? No, I don't. And I, and I do think Chris makes a good point. You know, if, if it didn't all of a sudden become magic with McDavid, is, is Tavares really that much better? Well, obviously he's not better, but Chris's point is, is well made. Uh, Mo is chiming in here, Reed, on the deep dish pizza. He says, let Reed know that if he hasn't had the deep dish or anything else on the menu at Lou Malnati's, he hasn't lived yet. Even the salad is delicious. Much better than uh, Giordano's, in his opinion. That's from Mo. Okay, Lou, Mel- Lou Malnati's. I'm, I'm writing it down. Remember, I'm only here until Saturday, and I can't go out for dinner tomorrow because I'll be at the trap. But okay, I'll try to fit in as many of these places as I can. I'm sure they'll deliver, Reed. Deliver right to the arena. Yeah, middle of the draft. So that's what I can do. I don't know what you're up to. If you want to stick around for a few more minutes after the news, we can get you on with some more uh, interaction here from the fans. Oh, I can do a few more minutes, sure. All right, this is uh, Inside Sports. Brendan Ulrich, Reed Wilkins with you. Lots still to get to. Morley Scott will join us at 7.30 to talk about the Eskimos, who open their season on Saturday. The CFL season has officially opened. Saskatchewan leading Montreal 10-7 right now. We'll talk some CFL with Reed as well when we get back. But first, Thomas Dias has your 7 o'clock news. 
630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.